97.1 FM, The Drive presents the Behind the Song podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. Imagine you're Bob Dylan, and you've written one of your more opaque, evocative songs with lyrics that draw comparisons to biblical scripture, and at the same time serve as a cut and a burn to the record companies that you're dissatisfied with. Now imagine that Jimi Hendrix records that song and does a phenomenally mind-blowing job of making it into something wholly different, more powerful, downright inescapable as a work of pure musical art. What do you do? When Bob Dylan heard Jimi Hendrix's recording of his own All Along the Watchtower, he recognized that Hendrix had elevated the song so much that he just took it for the better version. And when he sings it at his own concerts, he says he feels that he is paying tribute to Hendrix in some way, even to this day. If you like this episode, don't forget to give it a like at the end. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When Bob Dylan wrote All Along the Watchtower, he had just experienced the motorcycle crash in 1966 that would alter his life for the next two years. Following that crash, he holed up at his home in Woodstock, New York, recuperating and writing songs contemplating life, mortality, and the fact that he was, by that time, a father of two. Many of the songs he wrote during that period ended up on his 1967 album, John Wesley Harding, his eighth, and it was a return to an acoustic sound after his previous romp through albums and songs heavy on amplification. Controversial at the time because of his former status as a folk music hero, the heir to Woody Guthrie, Gone Rock and Roll. Many of the songs on John Wesley Harding have biblical overtones, characters, and stories in the Bible put through the lens of Dylan's mystical way of turning a phrase in a song. That's true of All Along the Watchtower, which borrows from the book of Isaiah, passages in chapter 21 specifically, where it reads, prepare the table, watch in the watchtower, eat, Drink, arise ye princes, and prepare the shield. While all this was going on with Dylan's recovery from the motorcycle crash, he was also becoming more and more dissatisfied with his record label over royalty payments for his music. He did not feel that he was getting paid what he deserved by the fat cats in the suits in the corner offices. And here he was, holed up, broken up, writing deeply introspective songs and growing less and less pleased with the checks that came to his mailbox. So in that most Bob Dylan of ways, he wrote a song that seems to come from nowhere and ends wherever you leave it in your own mind. A song that seems like it sprang up from some primordial ooze that has been there since the beginning of time, if not before. The lyrics to All Along the Watchtower start like this. There must be some kind of way out of here, said the joker to the thief. 
There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine. Plowmen dig my earth. None will level on the line. Nobody offered his word. That's Bob Dylan railing against his perception that he was being undervalued by the people in charge of paying him his song royalties. Jokers and thieves who drink his wine and dig up his earth. None among them good to their word. This included his longtime manager, Albert Grossman, who Dylan had recently discovered was taking a whopping 50% of his song publishing rights, buried in the fine print in a contract that he realized he had signed too quickly. Their relationship was finally dissolved after a lawsuit in 1970. And the song goes on. No reason to get excited. The thief, he kindly spoke. There are many here among us who feel that life is but a joke. But you and I, we've been through that. And this is not our fate. So let us stop talking falsely now. The hour is getting late. So the thief is trying to calm the fears of his victim. And Bob Dylan did feel victimized by what he had discovered. That he was basically being robbed of money that should rightfully have been coming to him. And victims need protection. Some kind of watchful, benevolent power in their corner. Which leads us into the biblical passages filtering through the next lines of the song. All along the watchtower, princes kept the view. While all the women came and went, barefoot servants too. Outside, in the cold distance, a wildcat did growl. Two riders were approaching, and the wind began to howl. All along the watchtower. In Isaiah chapter 21, the prophet Isaiah had a vision about the falling of Babylon with its idols and false gods and wars. In verses 5 and 6, the passages say, Prepare the table, watch in the watchtower, eat, drink, arise ye princes, and anoint the shield. And the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. Isaiah the prophet, warning Israel about the doom of the sinners and the thieves in Babylon. Dylan's last verse in All Along the Watchtower evokes these biblical passages, yet also does a very peculiar, very Dylan-like thing. It does not answer any more questions. It doesn't tell you what happened to the thief the joker, the businessman, the women, or the barefoot servants. It introduces a wildcat growling and two riders on the approach, but then it disappears into the wind, howling along the watchtower at the end of the song. There is no ending here. You're just left to think about all these images in your mind and go with it where you will. And that too makes a kind of specific Bob Dylan sense. Just as there will always be thieves and jokers, there will be the need to keep a close watch against potential harm. And in Dylan's case, of a lesson learned too late, to thoroughly review your business contracts so that the thieves can't victimize the innocent. Jimi Hendrix heard the song after it was given to him by a publicist, who incidentally also worked for Dylan's manager, Albert Grossman at the time. 
and immediately set out to record his version in 1968. The metaphors in the song about authority figures taking advantage of their charges must have hit home to Hendrix, too. Because back in 1961, when he was just 19, he was given a choice after having been caught riding around in a stolen car in his hometown of Seattle. He could either serve jail time or join the military. So he then enlisted in the army and was assigned to the 101st Airborne Division. But he was so interested, obsessed with playing his guitar, which he begged his family to ship to him, that he often neglected his duties as a soldier. Finally, after about a year and a half into his military career, his platoon sergeant filed a report saying that Hendrix would never be up to military standard and that he was completely ill-suited for the military period. And in June of 1962, Hendrix was granted a general discharge. To say that being in the military was hellish for Jimi Hendrix would be an understatement. And the first thing he did when he was discharged was to move to Tennessee and start a band. So when Dylan sang his lines about princes keeping the view on the watchtower in the song, he understood that to be him and Dylan and the musicians and poets of the world holding Babylon, the oppressive, warring, and impure Babylon at bay. He began recording his version of the song at a studio in London with Dave Mason from Traffic joining in the sessions as well as Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. By all accounts, Hendrix was fixated on getting the song just exactly as he heard it in his head, with his guitar taking the place of Dylan's harmonica. There were countless overdubs as he worked to achieve this, and he continued to re-record and overdub his guitar parts for months, finally finishing at a studio in New York City, Satisfied. It was released as a single in September of 1968, and it went up to number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, his highest charting success. The Jimi Hendrix Experience's Electric Ladyland album, a double album, his third and final album, was released a month later. In a matter of weeks, it went to number one in the U.S. It was a monumental last goodbye for Jimi Hendrix, who produced the album himself. He died on September 18, 1970, after a drug and alcohol overdose in London. He was only 27 years old part of the ill-fated group of brilliant musicians who have died at that exact age, including his friends and contemporaries, Brian Jones, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison, as well as Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse, all gone too soon at 27. Bob Dylan has played all along the Watchtower more than any other song in his catalog at his concerts. And he had this to say about Hendrix's version of his song, which he found overwhelmingly good. He said he had such talent, he could find things inside a song and vigorously develop them. He found things that other people wouldn't think of finding in there. And we who listen to these watchmen understand. Every time we hear Hendrix's guitar howl like the wind in this song, that we too are keeping a kind of watch. By keeping this important music alive, we keep the fire lit on the watchtower, protecting it for the next watcher, and on and on. A story 
and a song that will never end. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks, as always, to Christian Lane for the music you hear on these podcast episodes. If you like it, give it a thumbs up and hit subscribe, and you can watch short excerpts on the Behind the Song podcast TikTok channel. On the way, much more classic rock and roll.